Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to episode number 99 here of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, all here with you discussing your Detroit Pistons. And it was a pretty good week for those Detroit Pistons as they fell from the 9th place team to the 10th place team in the Eastern Conference only better positioning themselves for the summer of 2020 NBA draft. But boys, a one in three week for Detroit, as I predicted last week. How are my optimists who both thought they were going to go two and two doing as we get set to start the pod today? I can't say I'm surprised. I never put anything past the Pistons at this point in time. I can't say I'm surprised whatsoever that they went one and three. I didn't think they would, but again, not surprised. And you know, you're right, Brennan, from a certain perspective, it was a pretty productive week for the Pistons. Yeah. All right, Brendan, take it easy, first of all. I definitely said 1-3, and three, I agree with you, Brendan, but it wouldn't shock me if they went 2-2, two and two, so let's pump the brakes there, pal. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, I'm very happy with this week for the Pistons, so I'm doing well then. Isn't this just depressing, like, it, it's, it's depressing joy. Look, here's the thing, here's the thing, and this is the big thing for me, as someone that actually sits down and watches these games, we're getting Sekou minutes, Lewis King minutes, Jordan Bone minutes, Bruce Brown minutes, Savima Hailuk minutes, and Christian Wood minutes. They're letting the young kids play, and they're losing, and that's how it should be this year. It'd be different if they were playing all of their veterans and everyone else was on the bench, you know, fighting for minutes here and there. But like these last few games, we've got to see Lewis King do some nice things, and uh, you know we got a few Jordan Bone minutes against the the. Um, oh my goodness, the who Kings? they played? The, no, it was the yesterday. Uh, the Brooklyn, yeah, the the Nets. Nets. I don't know why. How forgettable of a game that was! If you huh. were hoping for the Pistons to win, my goodness, um, they tried going to OT. They're playing the young players, and it's like all we need is a competitive game where the young guys get to play and, and still then, lose, and then go lose. It's perfect. That's what I and that's why I'm saying great week for the Pistons. I agree. I mean, there's nothing much more to be said. Well, I, I'm sorry. Oh I'm no, no, no. Say I cut one you final off. thing. I cut you off. My bad. I in agreement. It's a joy. I've been watching the games too, Aaron, and it's a joy to watch these young guys get their minutes and watch them take steps to improvement. And quick example is Svi and what he's been doing lately. Yeah, fantastic. I am so happy about that. So let's go How on. How many did he end up finishing with versus Brooklyn? Because um, I mean, he was he was putting points up. I think he I think he finished around twenty, but yeah. just his scoring in general, it's not just the shooting anymore. He's getting more comfortable driving. It's everything, everything he's doing right now. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, how I, did Reggie Bullock work out for you at Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> at Lakers, <laughs> Is there, can we like do another one of those kind of trades? Like that'd be great. Yeah, and then or can we just like, like, with like Langston Galloway? Can we lose a trade and then sign LeBron and AD? Like I'm okay with that. Too, yeah, I, so. I mean, yeah, either way works. I'm fine with whatever. But uh, so kind of go building off the good news here. Detroit goes one and three this past week. 
probably all four games they could have won. They were competitive in all four games. The Grizzlies game they definitely could have won, and Brooklyn they definitely could have won going to overtime, but did not end up winning the Brooklyn or Memphis games. Um, we knew they were going to lose to Washington this past week, just continuing that disastrous record versus, uh, I think it was Chicago, Washington, Charlotte. They still are, are winless. What's it, six, year, six years winless in Washington? Is it's that what it like is? That. It's insane. It's, a, it's pathetic. It's, it's, I, think that's, I think it's six years winless in Washington, maybe. Come on now. Just horrendous. But listen, it's okay. All good stuff. Detroit now has the fifth hardest schedule going forward for the rest of their season. You know, ranked amongst other schedules here in the NBA from everybody else. So I feel pretty darn good about that for Detroit, knowing that, hey, they sit in the 10th seed. Um, they're they're kind of right in the mix of they, they could probably fall to comfortably 12. They could r- rise to the 8th seed still in that middle ground, just a half game behind Chicago, who is currently in the 9th seed. But um, nonetheless... I'd love to see Detroit continue to play those young kids, ride out this difficult schedule, finish as the 12 seed in the East, and and cruise your way to a friendly draft pick in June. Well, that's that's the thing here. And in the East, it's going to be tough to get worse than the 12th seed. But theoretically, they could finish with the fourth, the fifth worst record in the NBA if all things go right for them. If all things go right <laughs> if for the Pistons. everything goes right, they'll be terrible. They could finish with the fourth worst record in the league. I, I don't think they'll that any of the Knicks, the Cavaliers, and the Atlanta Hawks will pass them in the East. And I think Golden State, even with Stephen Curry coming back on March 1st, I don't think they're going to catch them. Uh-huh. I think if you're looking at the West, Minnesota and Sacramento can lap Detroit. And I think Charlotte and Washington can lap Detroit too. Washington's about to get healthier. Uh, they're expecting Rui Hachimura back. Mo Wagner's been getting in some some running and conditioning, so he'll be back soon. And Charlotte, you know, they're a team that d- d- they just don't commit to rebuilding. They don't commit to losing. They play the young guys, and they they still win games. So if everything goes right for the Pistons, they can get all the way to the fourth worst record in the NBA, which it should absolutely be their goal at this point right now. And that's the thing. You look at the bottom of the East – with New York and Cleveland both at twelve and thirty-four, and Atlanta at eleven and thirty-five. Reminder: Detroit currently at seventeen and thirty. I don't know if any of those three teams will reach seventeen wins this season, so Detroit might be uh, might be in a tough spot getting below them. But man, wouldn't that be nice to just continue to bottom out? You don't want to compete for that eight seed. You just don't want to do it. We'll get more into that later. I don't want to. You know, maybe start taking away from other things we're going to get into here on the pod. But the bottom line is, with the fifth hardest upcoming schedule, I'm a I'm a big fan of it. It's it's good for the Pistons because you want to have the best draft position possible, even if you're in a weak draft. Because at the end of the day, if you want to move that pick, you can. If not, it gets you up on the board where you can have the opportunity to take one of the better players, again, even in a weaker class. And I think we've all kind of got ideas on who the Pistons could go after. There's a lot of different point guards in this class. There's one wing in this class that if the Pistons are, you know, they're at four, five, or six, and he's available, I get some of the concerns with him. I absolutely still pull the trigger on him and take him. And, like, it just makes 
all the sense in the world for the Pistons. They continue to disappoint and disappoint. And it, it's their fault. I get the injuries. I get it all. But it's still their fault that they can't go out and beat Charlotte and Atlanta and Washington and Chicago. It's their fault that they can't do that. So that's why they're here. That's why we're talking about the Pistons needing to lose as many games as possible at this point in the season and go from there. You know, the Pistons shouldn't be mad at people for wanting them to lose. They've kind of put themselves in this their own position. So going for a high draft pick, adding another young piece, it just makes sense at this point. I couldn't agree more, Aaron. Something has to change. We keep playing this game, and we talk about it all the time, of being in the middle, being in the middle, being in the middle, kind of going for the win, kind of not. This whole middle ground, it's got to change. And the Pistons proved it in this four-game stretch that they have no business making a push for the playoffs. None. One and three with this stretch, and they're losing the teams like Chicago, Washington, Memphis. No business going for it. They have 12 losses against non-Eastern or non-playoff teams in the Eastern Conference. That's pathetic because if they win, let's say they still drop three of those games. They have nine more wins and three less losses. Like, we're talking about this team in a completely different sense. They're sitting at, what, 26 and 27, right? Or They're right around there. They're seventh in the Eastern Conference. It's not great, but they're, they're in the playoffs right now. But it's a totally different conversation at that point. And it shows that they can at least handle their business against the lesser teams. They haven't even handled their business against the lesser teams. That's why it makes no sense right. as to why people are going around saying I, the Pistons should be trying to make the playoffs. The Pistons should be playing their best players and going after a playoff spot and maybe trying to uh, you know, go out there and add a piece at the deadline. It just its ridiculous. If you cannot beat the bottom feeders in your conference, you have no business trying to win. I, I don't really think that that's anything far off to say. I don't think that's... An irrational thing to say. It's basically a fact. I think it's spot on to say. Spot on. You're dealing with these injuries. You can't be the bottom feeders. There's no point. There's no point. I can't. And I understand getting the young guys that playoff experience. Letting Sekou see that. Getting Luke more experience. Svi getting experienced. I get all that. But at the end of the day, it just it's going to keep you in the middle. And I'm not here for the middle. I'm tired of it. Right. I've... We've said it a million times, and it's just so annoying, and it just takes your toll on you as a fan. It's I can't do it anymore. The I'm thing, tired of the middle. The it's thing, nonsense. The thing about that playoff experience, too, is you have to look at it as Detroit getting a better draft pick this year and, and being able to retool a couple things and coming back next year where, hey, maybe next year they are playing for that sixth or seventh seed, and... Sekou's playing a ton. Luke's healthy, playing a ton. You know, maybe you draft a point guard this year. Whoever you draft this year is in the mix, whether he's a starter or he's in that second unit, but he's playing for you. And you see what happens with Christian Wood. Where's he in the mix? But you start to build more of an identity, what direction you're going forward with. And then you go for the playoffs. This year. There's no need to push. You need another piece in the draft. 
you need another solid piece in the draft. So you know, you're not trying to draft a rotational guy. You're trying to draft a guy that is in your starting lineup for the future. So go get that guy now. And then if you can make that push next year, make that push. Unless if you start terrible and you decide, you know what, let's go get another asset. Obviously, you can't do that forever because then you start to get yourself in a position where, okay, Luke Kennard's 27 and we haven't done anything with him. And then it's kind of the same boat you've been in with Dre where Dre's been young all this time and then now we've never done anything with him. So, obviously, you can't, you can't just push it off forever, but there's no point this year making that push. This is not the year to do it. You'll have more of an identity in this offseason when you decide the direction you want to go, which will allow you next year to then start that push to get the young guys in playing time in the playoffs, hopefully to then the following year be in a spot to go win in the playoffs. And that's the thing. You can want to win and be successful, but you have to keep in mind that you're playing a lot of young guys right now. It's important to continue to play those guys so that when you actually are good enough to compete for a playoff spot and compete in the playoffs... Those guys have experience. Those guys have been put on the floor. And it's not, uh, well, Svee's played in one game for us this year, like what happened last year when he got traded to Detroit. They're giving these guys these minutes now, and that's what they should be doing. If they still want to put those guys on the floor and try to win, fine. So be it. But at least they're doing it with the young guys on the court. Jordan Bone, Lewis King, those I got their two-way contract players, but they have both shown... That they have some talent. Yep. I, I know Lewis King had a terrible summer league, and I thought that was just a waste of a two-way contract for the Pistons after what he did in summer league. But the few games that he's played, especially the last two where he's gotten some decent minutes against Memphis and uh, and yesterday, he's done some nice things. He's shooting the ball. He's doing a couple different things offensively. He has the size to be a player. Like it just, he has the makeup of an NBA player. It it's almost like that Kyrie Thomas confusion where it's like, what? Why is the summer league so poor looking? Yet when he's up with the big boys playing, maybe some meaningless minutes. Even though Lewis King's minutes haven't been meaningless so far, he looks good. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've enjoyed watching Lewis King's past couple games get his minutes. I think yeah. he looks very much like he belongs. He's just still finding his spot, yeah. which is fine. And that's that's another thing. Going back to winning. If they're winning with the young, if if they had the young guys rotation of you know Luke and Bruce and Svee and Bone and Seku and King, and they were winning, then so be it. Exactly, they're winning. Yes. Yeah, fine. But to go for it with the older guys, that's not going to take you anywhere. That's where I have a hard stance of no. Yeah. If, so if, I agree with what Aaron's sentiment there. If they were like Charlotte playing the young kids and finding a way to win games, you're not going to get mad at it. You're not going to get mad. Oh, Seku went for 24. Christian Wood dropped in 15. Jordan Bone got some nice minutes off the bench. You know, Zvi went for 15. Like, okay, yeah. Fine. Pistons win that game. They win the game. That's great. That's what you want to see. Yeah. No, I and that's kind of just where I'm at right now. And, Ryan, you brought up Kyrie Thomas. We still haven't really heard much about him. He's been out with a you know an ankle injury. He's been doing some light stuff. But when he's healthy... That's another guy that the Pistons should give a chance to to play. I get, again, he had a bad summer league. He didn't look good. But you don't give up on a player that you traded assets for. And the Pistons traded picks to be able to get Kyrie Thomas. So he's another guy that they should be playing when he comes up. That's the important thing for this season. You want to go out and try to win next year. You want to go out and try to win the year after that. Fine. 
But look at your roster. You have young players that are going to be back on your team next year under contract. So it would be wise to play them this year so they get that experience, that development under their belt now. So that come next year, it's not their first real minutes in the NBA. Agreed. And these pieces that they have look like pieces that can be part of a winning team. Yes. They, they need you know that star around them, obviously, like every team does. Their leader, their best player. But a guy like Svi, and honestly, in the few minutes we've seen so far, maybe Lewis King and Christian Wood. These guys, Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, these are pieces that can be a part of a winning team. They just need, okay, if Seku's supposed to be the star, which I think he will be, clearly in today's NBA, you need to put another star with them. You need a minimum one, if not two more. You need, yes, you need to have two top flight players on your team. That's, that at least, that appears to be the shape of the league. But those pieces around them, those seem to me like those can be winning pieces. Right. So... Switching the the gear a little bit, we talk about all these young kids that are getting on the floor, getting minutes, etc. Now, Reggie Jackson has made his return. He came back versus Sacramento. The Pistons win that ball game, actually, their lone win of this past week. And you got to figure out, well, what do you do with Reggie Jackson now? Where do you play him? How much do you play him? We talked about Aaron last year, or last year, last week. You were like, ah, oh, there's a minute, you know, maybe a 20 minute minute restriction max. So you play Reggie. Do you start him? Do you bring him off the bench? So Detroit's got to figure out now, hey, how do they want to utilize Reggie Jackson? And how much do we think that that's going to interfere with maybe some of these young guys like a Jordan Bone and a Lewis King uh, and Kyrie when he gets healthy, Kyrie Thomas? How much does that affect them getting playing time uh, for this middle of the road to bottoming out Detroit Pistons? Yeah, you know, again, I know I talked about it last week. I'm always going to be a supporter of Reggie Jackson because he has always been a good player when he is healthy. There's just no question about it. Every stat shows the Pistons have been a better team when he's on the floor. I'm not going to go into that same spiel that I went into last week, but it's tough because... Part of me wants to see him on the court because, I again, a good player. But if he's taking away minutes from a Jordan Bone, does that make the most sense? It really probably doesn't for some of the reasons that we just talked about on the last topic. They need to be developing their young guys for next year. Now, something to consider is Jordan Bone's still on a two-way contract. He only has 45 days of NBA eligibility on a two-way contract. He's already used some of those days being up with the Pistons for as long as he has. So unless the Pistons are clearing a roster spot to bring him up to the roster, it doesn't necessarily seem that he's going to be up with the team the rest of the season or anything like that because they just don't have a spot for him right now. Which means there still should be minutes for Reggie Jackson. I I think there's minutes for Reggie Jackson either way. Derrick Rose has been playing way too much lately. He played 37 minutes against the Brooklyn Nets. 37 minutes against the Nets. Which is terrible. My goodness. For his health, for his value, for his longevity as a player, that's not a good decision, and that's not something that should happen. I know the Pistons went with a precautionary rest for Reggie Jackson, not playing him on the second night of a back-to-back, which is something I'm totally okay with. But with him back now, he should be taking some of those Rose minutes. If there were minutes... On the, on the block for Tim Frazier, he should take those minutes. And then, you know, whatever's left, Bruce Brown should get minutes at the one. If Jordan Bones up with the team, you know, even even against the Nets with Jackson out and Tim, Tim Frazier not playing, 
Jordan Bone only got a few minutes in the first half. It's not like he got, you know, 15, 16, 17 minutes. He really didn't play all that much. So I'm not sure how much the Pistons are comfortable playing him this year. He played literally less than three minutes. So it's not like he was on the court for that long. I really think the Pistons would like to keep him in the G League as much as possible this season and let him develop down there like other teams have done, specifically the Charlotte Hornets with Devontae Graham. We've seen how that has worked out for them. I think that's kind of the model the Pistons are looking at. Give him a lot of minutes down in the G League on a high usage where he gets to be the vocal point of the team now that Seku's not down there anymore and let him develop that way. So for the time being, for the rest of his contract with the Pistons, I do think there's a role for Reggie Jackson. He came back against the Kings and looked really healthy, looked really good, had 22 points off the bench in 19 minutes. Had four, four assists, three rebounds, two steals. I mean, he looked really good. Shot the ball very efficiently. Didn't have a great performance against the Grizzlies efficiency-wise. Didn't shoot very well from the field. But he just brings something to this team that they don't have enough of, which is guys that can score the basketball and do so while creating their own shot. I think Derrick Rose is really the only piston right now that has shown he can do that consistently. Having Jackson back in the fold certainly will help in that regard. Uh, Again, not that the piston should be trying to win or anything, but just in terms of, Having a guy that can create not only not only for himself but for others is going to help open up looks for those other players like a Mahailu, like a Dumboya, like a King. Um, but you know, I think managing Jackson is a slippery slope. I still think he should be around 20 minutes per night. But it was good to see him back out on the court, showed that he can definitely still play, and I just want to see him succeed honestly. I've got a question for you, and I know it was really more so based because of uh, the injury report or more so the sickness report, but how do you feel about the uh, Rose-Jackson backcourt? Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't say that I was surprised by Dwayne Casey doing that. I certainly didn't expect it to happen in the first game that Rudy Jackson came back, um, but I don't know, man. I, they didn't really have many other guards available. They did not. Bruce was out. Yep. Tim Frazier, I think, played, but didn't. You know, Tim Frazier's only going to do so much. Uh, obviously, Luke was out, so I guess I'm fine with it. But it was certainly an interesting pairing. Did they definitely not look comfortable to start the game together? They did because they're they, both ball dominant point guards. Yeah, that's just it is what it is. They both need the ball to be able to make plays. That's that's how they operate individually. So did it seem like it was a little off? It did. It did, but. I, I just this this team is such a weird like mosh pit of players that don't really mix right now because everyone's hurt and you're playing a bunch of rookies and then a bunch of veterans that are still kind of kind of like trying to like figure out where they belong in this league right now in Rose and Jackson and so it's an interesting thing it's 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 very weird but again rooting for rooting for the best for Jackson right now I mean I agree it was I enjoyed watching him back on the court absolutely glad to see him playing, you know, well for being out for the whole year so far, essentially. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm still with you, though. 20 minutes a game. I, I can't I can't see him playing more than that, taking minutes away from anyone. Now, I agree, Jordan Bone, he probably won't be up here a ton more. And I'm fine with him getting a ton of minutes down in the G League, letting him develop that way. That's fine with me. But I still, I don't want to see a two, like, I don't want to see a ton of minutes taken away from Bruce Brown getting t- more time in at the point. You know what I mean? And I feel like if you're playing Jackson and Rose and they're splitting the minutes, 
that leaves less time for, for Bruce to really grow as a player. Because like we've said many times, and it seems quite apparent, is that his future is at point guard. And I want to see that development continue. So leaving Rose around, or Rose, sorry, Jackson around 20 minutes a game still leaves some minutes for Bruce to get that experience, to get that exposure at point guard. And that's what I want to see personally. But honestly, it was great to see Jackson back. It was good to see him healthy. I enjoyed watching him play. It was really enjoyable to watch him play for Sacramento and play well. But he's not the future, so it's not like it you know, gets me all juiced up or anything. I feel that. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people were super hyped up, super happy, overly excited for Jackson. And it was nice to see. I was happy about it, but he's not the future. So, it, it, my, my vision is future-focused with this team. Uh-huh. And if he's not part of the future... Yeah, it's nice to see, but it doesn't really get me going. So we talk about these young guys. We talk about the the Pistons and playing these guys and Reggie coming back and, and all these different perspectives. But, you know, there's another kind of, I guess, whole underlying question and a result we're waiting to see. What does Detroit do at the trade deadline? Are they going to move Andre? Seems like those talks have flopped. Are they going to move Derrick Rose? Or are they going to keep them? And right now, today, it looks like Detroit is keeping Andre Drummond and Derrick Rose. So where do they go from here if they keep those two players? Yeah, right now it just it doesn't seem like there's a real market for Drummond. Teams don't seem interested in giving up what Detroit wants, which is reportedly a first-round pick or a young prospect. And if they're not getting that, how much of an incentive really is there to move Drummond? And with Rose, it doesn't really seem like the franchise has given any clear indication what they want to do with him. You know, there have been reports that the Pistons don't plan on moving Rose unless he asks for a trade. Then there's also reports that the Pistons are looking for a first-round pick for Rose in a trade. And, you know, we know there are suitors for both Drummond and for Rose. We know there are contending teams that would like to bring on Derrick Rose, but... It, it kind of does appear that as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, these two guys may still be on the roster come February 6th and come February 7th. So that means they're finishing out the season with the Pistons. Drummond has a player option worth $28 million. I know he's talked about declining that before, but does he have any inclination of, well, these teams aren't that interested in me. They don't want to give up any real assets for me. Am I worth $28 million? Should I maybe opt into that to secure the money now and try to prove it again next season? I don't know. I, I don't know what that is with Drummond. And I think the the Drummond story is is a little bit more concerning than the Rose story because I think you'll be able to re- move Rose in the offseason if you really want to. You could also keep him for next season. But for me, when I look at what's going on with Andre Drummond, again, the player option, he could accept that. And the Pistons really don't need Drummond to accept that. That would be a very bad thing for the Pistons if Drummond accepted his player option. Yeah, it would. It doesn't allow them. It, you know, it, it, it takes up their cap space, which they're going to need to re-sign a guy like Christian Wood, who's younger and you know looks to be promising as is a big man of the future type piece. Uh, they're going to need that money. You know, they don't need to spend it on Drummond. And we've already talked about that before, uh, but. The direction that this team goes in in the offseason, if they if they keep both of them for the rest of this year, is 
they should be trying to move on from both of them still. That's just kind of how I feel about it. The Pistons got to hope that Drummond, you know, if they're unable to get anything for him at the deadline, declines that option uh, to become an unrestricted free agent in July. So he does that and is able to sign elsewhere. And then with Derrick Rose, you try to trade him to a team that's looking to contend, looking to compete. I think there's suitors out there for Rose now. I mean, it's already been reported that there has been. I still feel that the Pistons should be trying to move him now. Uh, but if they go into the offseason with him, then the mindset shouldn't change of trying to move on from him. You have Bruce Brown that looks like a point guard. You should be drafting, it appears likely, a point guard in a draft that is weak but has some talent at the point guard spot. So it looks like there's potential for the Pistons to add another point guard that's going to need a lot of minutes next season to the roster. I don't think Derrick Rose is a real priority for them, and he shouldn't be. I mean, we just spent the first, you know, 15 minutes of the podcast talking about how the Pistons should be playing young players and developing young players. I didn't even, I you know, I forgot about in this topic right here about Jordan Bone, who we just talked about earlier, and how he could be a guy next year to finally get some real minutes at the point guard spot. So the Pistons could have two, three guys on the roster, young guys on the roster, that could be getting minutes at the point guard spot which makes Derrick Rose obsolete in that sense. Not because he's a bad player. There's no slight on Derrick Rose here. He's a great player. He's been great this season. He just doesn't fit the Pistons' timeline and the direction that the Pistons are going in in general. I don't think you can change the direction you're going in just because you have a Derrick Rose on your roster. He's not you know, an MVP-level player that flips the direction of your franchise whether he's on your team or not on your team they should be moving on from him they should be moving on from Drummond still and you know quite frankly if they go into next season with both Drummond and Rose on the roster barring you know some big move that happens that improves this team's win now capabilities in a real sense then I would be kind of worried about this franchise and I would definitely lose some of my faith in Ed Stefanski in uh, Malik Rose, and the rest of the Detroit Pistons front office. Aaron, I think you just nailed it, like, spot on. I'm not – I don't have any disagreements there. The, few, the the path this franchise takes very much hinges on whether Andre Drummond and Derrick Rose are here in Pistons uniforms next season. Um, and you're right about Andre Drummond accepting that player option. He has stated that he won't accept it that he wants to test free agency, but now you see all these teams really not putting a premium on him. He's really not at the level of value he maybe thought he was at, us as fans think he may be at, and now he's going to see maybe I'm not going to get the money I think I'm worth. This $28 is more than I will be offered. Why don't I accept this? And I don't see that as a great thing for this franchise moving forward. Yes, you're going to see Andre have more dominant numbers and dominant games, and they're going to win some games, but it's still going to be middling. Right. It eats your cap space. What do you want to do with Christian Wood? Do you want to sign him? He's going to command some money this offseason. Now, granted, he's not much younger than Andre Drummond. How old is Andre Drummond? 26? Yeah. Christian Wood's 24. 24 right? right. So it's not like we're signing some 21-year-old, but at the same time, it seems as though Christian Wood is the piece that – is going to be the one the franchise moves forward with. Not necessarily Andre Drummond. 
Yet here we go putting that cap space in trouble yet again because Andre Drummond accepted that player option. It's concerning for the franchise. As far as Derrick Rose goes, I would... I love watching Derrick Rose. It has been just a joy to watch him as a Piston, to be fully honest. I love it. It's fantastic. But it just doesn't fit the timeline of where we're going, where this franchise is going right now. And I think he does need to be moved by the deadline. Now, like you said, Aaron, this franchise has not given any indication of that. They, like the reports come out, we'll only trade him if he is asked to be traded. I feel he needs to be moved before the deadline. Now, you, like you said, you can make that trade during the offseason just as long as he's not on the roster before the season starts. But I still think the most value and the best time to do it in terms of drafting and everything yep. else going forward <clears throat> is before the deadline this year. The worst thing that could happen is the NBA draft comes and with Derrick Rose and Andre Drummond still on the roster – that impacts the Detroit Pistons' decision-making in a negative sense. Whether it means they don't draft a point guard or they decide to take, you know, maybe a guy that's played three, four seasons of college basketball because he has that experience under his belt that could maybe help the Pistons win, you know, contribute to the Pistons winning more ball games next season rather than a young guy like, you know, of the Sekou sense of he's extremely young, he's extremely raw, He's not a come-in-and-contribute-right-away player. That would be just the absolute worst-case scenario for the Pistons. And I just would be very concerned if Drummond and Rose... Obviously, obviously Drummond wouldn't technically be on the roster come draft night unless you know he reportedly comes out and says, well, I'm going to accept my player option. Um, you know, He still may be... Uh, an unrestricted free agent, but the Pistons would probably at least still take a meeting with him if he goes into unrestricted free agency, you know, and they don't trade him. So it just it just worries me, especially the Derrick Rose aspect because I know how much this franchise loves and appreciates Derrick Rose. <clears throat> it's no secret that they also like that fans gravitate towards the team because of Derrick Rose. I don't think that's a secret either. I think that adds a little bit more to the maybe we should just hold on to him right now. And again, that concerns me because he's playing well enough that he should be on the court a lot. But it, it they just should not keep him and, and and shy away from taking a guy like Killian Hayes or, or Tyrese Halliburton and those young point guards that show some promise and could be a future, you know, a future guard for the Pistons. To keep Derrick Rose and to play Derrick Rose, it would just be a really, 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 really bad decision. D. Rose is basically doing what Blake Griffin did last year for Detroit. Just kind of willing them along. And this year the injuries have been worse and there's been a little bit less around Rose where the young guys have still fallen short, lost some close games where last year they might have won a few more with better support, healthier support around Blake Griffin, but... That's kind of the effect that D. Rose is having, and it's not a long-term thing. Even even though I think Derrick Rose has more years left in the tank of being a, a viable contributor to an NBA team, it's just that in Detroit, it's just not a long-term thing. And the Pistons have to accept that. And hopefully they are able to come to an agreement where D. Rose goes to a place where he can win, and Detroit's able to just continue to take steps in the direction of we are full-on youth movement. We are full-on re reigniting this thing. We don't have to blow it up and tank for five years. 
You've got young pieces in place, but you can't hang in the middle. You've got to commit to taking a step down to be able to take two steps forward later. Right. And, and again, you know, we've, we've really hammered that home recently with the Pistons. So the front office has made a lot of good decisions. I want to trust that they'll continue to make those right decisions. But it's just, it's just, you can definitely see how much they like Rose. And these reports that they want to keep him around are somewhat concerning in that sense. So I just hope that they're making the right decision. Um, I think if you know if they if they still have Drummond come the offseason, which I think is starting to become more and more likely heading into the offseason. Obviously, again, he can still you know decline that player option and go into unrestricted free agency. But if they don't get anything for him at the deadline, the, the worry with him is that he accepts that player option, and then does that kind of lock you in to try to have to compete for another year? If you have Blake coming back and then Drummond's still on the roster. And if you're still holding on to Derrick Rose, does you're that, clearly in compete mode. Does that hold? Does you're that hold the Pistons back? Clearly in compete mode at that point. Yep. But you're not competing for anything serious. I don't think at the same time. You're a fraud. That's a problem. And, and then you still. And that, that's smell. the issue. It, it would it, be it would be a problem because I think that kind of locks him into doing you're, it. You're right about the draft at that point, and that that's another great fear of mine. And it's something you hit on is if the Pistons after this year are in a position in the draft to take a guy like Killian Hayes. And they don't because they have Derrick Rose and they have Andre Drummond coming back and Blake coming back and Tony Snell and they decide maybe we trade back or we what have you to take a guy with more experience in the NBA to help win now. And that, it would just set the franchise back, I feel. It certainly would. It certainly would. Well... We have to switch gears on the pod here for, or, or maybe our final segment. As we were live recording the podcast, we had to press the pause button, and we pressed that pause button to see the report uh, from TMZ saying that that Kobe Bryant has passed away at age forty-one in a helicopter crash. And just devastating news to hit us as we're sitting here. And, you know, we hit the pause button for a little while. And we watched really just, you know, Twitter's that main news source. ESPN had the coverage of the Pro Bowl on. Uh, NBA TV was showing an old game. So I think they were still waiting for that official confirmation. But... Everybody kind of knew, even though there was the hope of please be fake, please be a false report. It's been confirmed that at 41 years old in a helicopter crash, uh, Kobe Bryant has passed away. And, and, and no, we don't need to talk about how just how legendary Kobe is because we all we all know that. But just just you know, words really can't. I don't know what words to say. Just wow. The the gravity and the impact it had just on us here in the moment recording and how we had we paused for a great long while because it took us all three of us here back uh, quite a bit a real uh, a real silence a real hush over over the three of us sitting here uh-huh. it was uh it was really really hard to swallow that and and we. And we think about us having a hard time. How about those families involved? I can't even imagine. Just everyone close to the Bryant family, 
Bryant's wife and children, his MBA, colleagues, friends, past coaches and players, and all the other families, uh, the p- other people involved. It's just, wow. You know, it just really, it really hit us hard, and I can't even imagine. And I'm just, I'm shocked, and I'm saddened, and I, I don't even know what to say. And I'm just, I'm just praying right now. Yeah. Because it's just, it's terrible. It, in you know, I'm not. I don't want to speculate here. Uh, absolutely not. But there are reports coming out that the other people involved in his crash were his four daughters, which is absolutely terrible. It's a terrible situation. Um, you know, that's something that I even really want to talk about, just because of how terrible and sad it is. Obviously, praying for everyone close to him. You know, praying for. Uh, you know everyone that knew you know was close to him in, in his life and praying for his, him and his family uh, it's just terrible and there's just really no other way to describe it at this point it, it's it's unbelievable it, the news of the daughters being the passengers it's just, Ugh. Mixed reports. So there on, we go. I'm seeing mixed reports. On yeah, that. I know. If that's if that's what it is, you know, there are reports saying it was four daughters. There's reports saying Rick Fox, another NBA former NBA player, was on the plane as well. With the initial reports said there was five people on the plane. So I don't really know. Again, I it, don't it, want to speculate whatever whatsoever. It's so sad. But whoever was involved in that crash, it's absolutely terrible. Um, and. I just don't really know what else to say. I mean, it was really hard to do the final segment of the podcast with that on our minds. You know, I I know we consider just ending the show, but we wanted to do the final topic um, and then, you know, just kind of wrap it up here. Um, But, I mean, yeah, just praying for everyone involved. Praying for, you know, Kobe's wife and, Everyone involved in that situation, everyone that was close with the family, with Kobe, obviously. Hopefully, hopefully we can make it through this. You know, you kind of think back to how long ago it wasn't that long ago. Kobe's dropping, you know, eighty-one points. I remember sitting there watching the game, going nuts. It's crazy that just on the eve of you know Kobe passing, LeBron passes him on the all-time scoring list. And and that last tweet that that Kobe sends out, it's like you, you like you can't even write that script. How he, ta- he tweets at LeBron about you know continuing the the game forward, you know, and, and praising him for passing that record. It, it just unbelievable, unbelievably sad. And, and uh, you know, there's really not too much more to say about that. But this is this is kind of some just raw emotion, some raw. We're we're just kind of learning this news. We learned it while we were doing the previous segment. We had the pause button. We kind of finished it out, and uh, decided to uh, to bring this up and let you uh, just in on a little bit of our live emotion and live reaction to to this just tragic news. So, uh, boys, anything else you'd like to add as we wrap up the pod this week? Just hug, hug the people close to you. You know, let them know you care for them. They're important. Something like this, you know, you obviously can never predict it to happen. 
you know, never want it to happen, but it just, it brings everything back down to earth. It brings everything back to perspective of what's really important in life. And that's, you know, obviously not where I wanted this podcast to go today, but I, I kind of think that's where I need to end my talking. You just never know, man. You just, you just never know. You never know. Crazy. Well, with that being said, you know, rest in peace to, uh, rest in peace to Kobe and prayers to his family. And, uh, that's going to do it for us this week here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.